great to have you here uh, with us this afternoon, whether you're a regular or whether you're a visitor. We're delighted uh, that you are here. And uh, I pray you've been blessed through the songs of, uh, of worship that we've just been singing, but also that God will speak to you and speak to all of us uh, as we hear from his word right now. We're going to be continuing our series in the letter, of he, uh, letter to the Hebrews. And... Uh, uh, you know, Owen last week spoke for about, I don't know, 35 minutes or so on one verse. Uh, I've got nine verses today, so I reckon that that could be around 300 minutes. What's that? That's five hours. Are you okay? Strap yourselves in. Uh, we're in for the long haul. Uh, no, seriously. Uh, we're in chapter 11 of uh, Hebrews. If you've got a Bible, if you turn to it. Um, and we're going to be continuing our series uh, and we've looked at, at various characters so far uh, that showed faith in God and followed what God had said to them. Uh, we've looked at a number of different characters, Abel, Enoch, and Noah, and what God said to them and how they responded to that. And this isn't uh, some sort of academic exercise. You know, the uh, writer to the Hebrews explains to us in verse 1 what faith is. He says it's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. And then he goes on to illustrate that by reference to these characters from the Old Testament who exemplified this. And his intent in all of this is that we would be inspired in our faith, that we would learn from these characters and the faith that they had, that we would put aside things that would divert us away from following Jesus so that we would run with endurance the race that is set before us and keep our eyes focused on Jesus. The characters he references, do you know, they weren't perfect, and nor are we, but they trusted God they took God at his word, and their belief in what he said led them to act. So we're going to look today at the life of Abraham, or part of the uh, life of Abraham. There's a, an awful lot written about Abraham in Scripture. Uh, we're going to look at just these verses from uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, but uh, there are many other references in Scripture, and we'll... We'll talk about some of them as we go through this afternoon. So Abraham, with whom God made a covenant that he would be the father of many nations. This man, from whose descendants kings would come and from whose line Jesus would be born. He receives huge coverage in the Old Testament but also in the New Testament, in Stephen's speech in Acts 7 and in many of the New Testament letters, he's described as a friend of God in the letter of James. What a fabulous epitaph that is. A friend of God. So we're going to read from Hebrews 11 in sections. We're going to reference verses from Genesis as well, uh, where the life of Abraham is recounted over the course of some 14 chapters. So let's look at Hebrews 11 and uh, verse uh, 8. 
starting from verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign, foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. You know, one of the many things I love about Foundation Church is the rich diversity that we have within our membership. This is particularly true when it comes to nationalities represented. The ease of travel these days makes moving from one country to another very easy. We may move because of our work or for education purposes, for a fresh start in life, or because we envisage a better life in the place that we're moving to. In considering a move these days, I suspect we take advantage of technology We'd be all over the internet and researching what it's like there and trying to prepare ourselves for that move so we know to some extent what to expect. Not so for Abraham. We read in Genesis 12, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now Abraham was not a young man when he received this promise. He was somewhere in his mid-70s. And he was asked by God to leave his homeland and his family. He and his family were settled where they were in the Ur of the Chaldeans until the death of his brother when they moved to Haran. Both places were prosperous. They were comfortable. Moving had not been on their minds at all. It wasn't their idea. It wasn't part of their plan to somehow improve their lives or their circumstances. This was God's plan. I don't know about you, but I can read a passage like this at quite a superficial level. As if it were kind of no big deal. But as for us, with any sort of move, let alone to another country, and to a place not yet defined, it brought with it consequences for Abraham and his family. It meant leaving his wider family and friends, leaving a secure and familiar setting, and stepping out into the unknown. I can imagine other voices speaking against this plan, saying it was reckless, highlighting to Abraham all that he would be losing or leaving behind. There might have been voices saying, did God really say, come on? Well, surely, if God wanted you to move, he would have told you where he wants you to go. If there were voices such as these, we know 
that Abraham was not swayed. He wasn't diverted or deflected by them. Our passage tells us that he went out not knowing where he was going. The promise God gave to Abraham was an amazing promise. One of a new country, a new inheritance of making him a great, of him a great nation and of him being a blessing. So with all of that, you know, we might be inclined to think, hey, it's going to be plain sailing, isn't it? It's going to be easy. Those who remember the story from Genesis will know that this was far from the case. Abraham and his family lived a nomadic existence. He lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob, with no stable home such as he'd left behind before they set out. They were aliens in a foreign land. They didn't have any rights or privileges. They owned no land. They didn't have the privilege that, privileges that would have been uh, due them if they were residents in that land. They were treated as refugees. They suffered famine. And we might imagine that in the face of all this, their trust in God might have wavered. Even if Abraham was steadfast, the voices of those around him might have questioned whether he had in fact heard from God. I want to suggest to you this required incredible faith on the part of Abraham. I think we can often be impatient with God and become frustrated in seeing only a small part of God's plan, a small part of the picture. Or maybe when we first trusted Jesus, we expected life to become so much easier, only to find that things didn't work out quite as we expected. Difficulties and challenges arising. Disappointments when what we had wanted or hoped for doesn't come about quite as we expected. Abraham remained steadfast in the face of many trials and difficulties because he knew the character of God. In chapter 10 of Hebrews and verse 23 we read, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's his character. We heard it earlier on. We prayed into it earlier on. His character is that he is faithful. We can trust him. We know God had a plan for Abraham's life, just as he does for each one of us. God wasn't making it up on the hoof. The fact that Abraham didn't waver but acted in obedience to God's word shows that he trusted God. He believed God had a plan and that God's plan could not be improved upon. Therefore, he obeyed. Such obedience isn't to cast aside reason. In fact, it's evidence of Abraham's ability to reason. And in doing so, he knew that the only reasonable thing to do was to obey what God had asked him to do because God was faithful. We'll see a bit more of why that's the case later. But we're going to read on 
from verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. If you read the account of these events in Genesis chapters 12 to 25, you'll see that God repeatedly speaks to Abraham over a period of some nine years about making of him a great nation and about his offspring. And yet he and Sarah, his wife, are both getting on a bit and they're still childless. In chapter 15, God again promises Abraham that his reward will be very great. And Abraham responds by saying that he has no heir, thinking that maybe one of his household might be his only heir. This is when God shows him the stars in the sky and promises him that his offspring will be as numerous as them. And we read that Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham attained righteousness not by what he did, but by his faith. He believed God. His belief led him to act in obedience, but it is his faith that led, him, led to him being seen as righteous by a holy God. Even, even Sarah, even when Sarah hears, hears the promise for herself, she laughs. The very thought that she, at 90 years of age, could bear a child seemed fanciful. And that Abraham, some 10 years older than her, could father a child equally fanciful. It's her laughter that is so often remembered and taken as an indication of her disbelief in what God was saying. But actually, that's only part of the story. In verse 11, it says, she received the power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who promised. If we truly believe that God is almighty, if we believe the words of Jesus recorded in Mark 10 and verse 27, where he says, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God, there may be times when our initial response to what God says to us is disbelief, maybe even laughter. Are you serious? But we then, like Sarah, need to move quickly to remember the character of the one who is making the promise to remember that he is not like us. He is faithful. He keeps his word. And he has the power to deliver what he said. Let's read on from verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. 
For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they'd gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The writer tells us that these, by which he means Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob, all died without seeing the total fulfillment of what God promised. They'd seen the promised land, they'd lived there as exiles, while there God had told Abraham that he would give this land to him and his descendants forever, a promise that he repeated to Isaac and to Jacob, but according to our passage, they all died without seeing the total fulfillment of the promise. They die in faith, though. They didn't lose their faith. They lived in the land, but they never possessed it. In spite of living as exiles for years, they never gave up hope or trust in God. Verse 15 makes it clear that there was always the option of turning back, always the option of going back to their homeland. Comparing their life now to what they had enjoyed might have tempted them to go back. But no, they were not deflected from what God had called them to. And because of their faith and their perseverance, God was not ashamed to be called their God. So how can I assert that God always keeps his promises when they died not having received the things promised? Well, the clue is in the title of my message today, which is A Better Country. The promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, could be seen as a better country. The promise given to Abraham, as with so many of the promises of God, though, has an eternal perspective. Verse 16 tells us that the better country they desired is a heavenly one. They could never have seen the complete fulfillment of this in this life. They viewed it longingly from afar. Their focus was on the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And they desired that. So what can we learn and apply from the story of Abraham? Well, firstly, and very simply, when God speaks, we need to respond. When Jesus came to earth, he did so that we might have life, not just in our days on earth, but life everlasting. Life with him in heaven. He made that possible through his death on the cross, bearing our sin and our shame that we might be set free. But that promise of eternal life calls for a response from us. In that most well-known ver verses, John, John's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, it is those who believe in him who will have eternal life. 
Now, most of us here have made that positive response. But it calls for a response from every single person. Failure to accept Jesus' sacrifice and to place trust in him represents a rejection of him. And the consequences of that are eternal separation from him rather than the eternal life that he offers. But even when we've made that initial response, you know, God continues to speak. He speaks to us from his word. He speaks to us through the preaching of his word and through teaching that we receive. He speaks through prophetic words, suitably weighed. God speaks to us. And every time he speaks, he calls for a response. He might speak to us about our priorities, how we prioritize the use of our time or our money and our finances. He might speak to us about our relationships or our attitudes, our behaviors. He might speak to us about continuing sin in our lives. And each time, we either say, yes, Lord, and obey what he is saying, or we reject it. We cover our ears and continue to go our own way. Abraham had a choice to settle and remain where he was or to be obedient to the voice of God. And he obeyed and left his land, left the comforts of his homeland to go to a place he wasn't sure where it was. Abraham acted on God's word and we need to do the same. The second lesson for us, I believe, is is that we shouldn't be looking back. We should look forward. Don't look back. Look forward. Abraham had clearly left behind much that felt important to him when God called him out of Haran. He had family and friends there. He was familiar with the customs and traditions. His home and security was there. But he willingly left all of that, not knowing what he was going to, other than the promise that he'd been given. When the going got tough and things weren't as he thought they might be, when years went by and the promise still hadn't been fulfilled, it's clear from verse 16 that if he hadn't kept his eyes focused towards God and what God had promised, he might have been tempted to return to Haran, to his former life. But instead, he persevered. He kept focused on the promise of a better country. In the explanation of the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about those who start well but fail to persevere when difficulties arise. He says the seed that was sown on rocky ground is the one that hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, He has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, what does he do? He immediately falls away. 
You know, one of the recurrent themes throughout this letter to the Hebrews is the need to persevere, to endure. In chapter 2, we're warned to pay careful attention to what we've heard. In other words, the gospel. Pay, t- pay careful attention to the gospel lest we drift away from it. In chapter 3, we're told we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. In chapter 6, we're exhorted to show diligence to the very end so that what we hope for may be fully realized. There are so many other such references. Brothers and sisters, we must keep our eyes focused on Jesus and the inheritance he has for us. Let us not be those who look back longingly over our shoulders at the life we had before. The riches of this world will fade away. They're of nothing by comparison with what God has prepared for us. Abraham realized that, and we need to realize that. Everything we could have in this life, the riches of this life, the comparisons with what we see others have are of, no, are of nothing compared with what God has prepared for us. We need to keep our eyes focused forward and not look back. And thirdly, we need to live as exiles. Abraham recognized that he was a stranger and exile on earth. He'd understood that what God promised was not just in the here and now, but that the true fulfillment of it was in eternity. He knew that God had prepared a city for him. He caught the vision. He'd seen it from afar. And he knew it wasn't in this life. Because of this, he was happy to live his life on earth as an exile. As someone who didn't belong in the land that he was passing through. He was happy not to be accepted, not to conform to their practices, their beliefs, and their traditions. He wanted his life to be right for the land that he was heading for, for the city that God had built. Many years ago, I worked in the United States for a year, And during some of that time, uh, the family came out to join me and we rented a house uh, just outside New York and lived there for several months. While we were there, we, we had everything we needed. We weren't massively comfortable, but we had everything uh, that we needed. We got to know people. We contributed to the life of the local church. But we were never American citizens. We had no vote there. And there was a sense in which we didn't fit in. We conformed to their laws. But in so many ways, our customs and our practices were very different. So we didn't settle. We didn't become attached to possessions. In many ways, we lived as exiles. Although admittedly not living out of a tent as Abraham did. We knew our citizenship on earth was some, uh, uh, our citizenship on earth 
were somewhere else in the UK. Our passports, our customs, our practices, and even our language said so. We were just temporary in the United States. And actually, that's how I should be living my life here in the UK, here in Wokingham. And that's how we as Christians should be living our lives. Our citizenship is not in the UK, but in heaven. We're just passing through for however many years God gives us. But our home is in heaven. The Apostle Paul confirms this in his letter to the Philippians. In chapter 3, he writes, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. He is coming back. Jesus is coming back and he will transform our bodies to be like his glorious body. There's an old song popularized by uh, Jim Reeves, who most of you here probably haven't even heard of. Oh, maybe. One or two nods. Um, most of you won't remember this song. Um, but Chris will. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> being, being of the same generation as me, uh, Chris, Chris will remember this. And the words go, This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Yeah, it's a very old song country and western singer but actually the words of it are so true we shouldn't feel at home in this world you know our destiny is in a different world so let me ask you are you living for all you can get out of this life or are you living your life to glorify God and to make him known are you seeking to accumulate as much as you can, more and more possessions and wealth for your own pleasure in this life, rather than living your life following the example that Jesus set us and seeking to please him. Owen spoke to us the other week from Matthew 6 about not being anxious and about seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. You know, the challenge for us today is to live our lives, lives that are demonstrably different to those around us. Not to conform to the pattern of this world, but to be those whose lives have been transformed by the renewal of our minds. Now, I don't mean for us to be quirky or weird. That's not what this is talking about. But equally, we shouldn't just fit in. You know, when smutty, smutty jokes are being told in the workplace, we shouldn't fit in, we shouldn't be comfortable, we shouldn't participate. When others are seeking to climb the social ladder 
or always striving for that better house, that better job, that better car. We shouldn't join along with them. We shouldn't go along like sheep. We should be demonstrably different. Our priorities should be different because our citizenship is elsewhere in this heavenly land. And then finally, we have a promise of a better country. Our passage says these people, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, desired a better country. The faith they had in God, in the one who gave them the promise, was such that they looked at what he had promised and realized that what this world has to offer is as nothing in comparison with the riches he had stored up for those who trust in him. This better country, or this city whose designer and builder is God, is heaven, is the promise of an eternity spent with him when Jesus returns. And we know from what we read in Scripture that in this better country, there is no sickness, there is no suffering, there is no crime, there's no fractured relationships, no conflict, no injustice, no lying and deceit. In short, it's a perfect place. Perfect because it's where God dwells. This is what Abraham desired. And this promise was available to Abraham not because he lived a perfect life, not even for the things that he did in his life. In Genesis 15 we read that after God had made this amazing promise to Abraham about his offspring being innumerable, Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham did nothing, nothing to earn his access into this better country. It was through the righteousness imparted to him because of his faith. In writing to the Romans, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. You know what? If you're a Christian here today, your citizenship is in this better country, in heaven. And it's come about not through anything that you have done or any deeds of your own. It's solely, solely through us acknowledging our shortcomings and trusting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross to cancel out the penalty of our sin, the penalty that would have been ours. When we do so, when we place our trust in him, he imparts his righteousness that allows us to stand before our God, counted worthy as citizens of heaven. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. If you've not yet taken that step of placing your trust in Jesus, let me lovingly tell you that there is no other way in which you can gain access to the riches of heaven, of an eternity spent with him, than through having faith in him and acknowledging your need of a savior. Faith in Jesus is our access into this better country. We're going to come and share communion together in a moment. This is a simple meal that Jesus said we should share together to remember all that he's done for us. And he said that we're to do so until he comes. Until that better country is no longer viewed from afar, but comes into glorious view.